And there's a song that I've been singing all week long. Um, that's good there. And it's a, it's just a little chorus. It says, all I need is a memory of a victory. Like a stone in a sling. Every time that you fought for me. And that's what I've been just worshiping to. All week since I downloaded it on Wednesday when the album came out. It is imperative that we write down the victories that God has given us because when we face the next trial, remembering the victory stirs our faith to believe for the next impossible thing. In the name of Jesus this morning, I declare over your life that God will bring back to your remembrance. Holy Spirit will bring back to your remembrance, even as flashbacks, that it may look like flashbacks in a movie of moments of victory, of moments where you conquered the lion, of moments where you conquered the bear, so that when you stand before this giant, that you may remember that it is God who slung the stone and gave the victory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving in this place. Online campus, we love you, and I know the Holy Spirit was moving in your house too. And we'd love to hear what God did in your house while you were tuned in to the presence of God. And that you were purposing yourself to hear from him. That's a message that the Lord stirred in my heart several weeks ago, and I've just gone back to it and back to it and back to it. I got to share it to the middle schoolers and high schoolers at Florida Christian in their chapels about positioning ourselves to hear God, positioning ourselves to see God, and then positioning ourselves to obey God. Because the reality is if we don't put ourselves in the right position, we will not see him. And we will turn and say, God did not show up. And it's not that he didn't show up. It's that you weren't in the right position. Come on, have you ever been to Disney World and want to go watch the parade? If you're inside Space Mountain, you ain't going to see it. And it doesn't mean that the parade didn't happen. You just didn't put yourself in the position to see it cross by. And so many times, believers blame God for not showing up. When God moved, we just didn't position ourselves to see him move. And you are going to get out of your relationship with God, and I am going to get out of my relationship with God, whatever I put into my relationship with God. The stock market can may go and boom and be amazing. If you didn't deposit into the 401k, it don't help you. And then as Christians, we get jealous and upset at other Christians that experience a move of God. And we covet it and we say, why didn't I experience it? But I'm going to flip it and ask you, why didn't you position yourself to experience it? See, I need to tell you something. This is not the only place where you experience the presence of God. You're only here once a week for an hour and a half, maybe two. That's not enough. We position ourselves daily. 
It's the vision of our church, the heart of our church is equipping to live a life of worship that will cause change. Where is it going to cause change? First and foremost, in our own life. Because if I'm positioned to be connected to God, I'm going to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better everything. And the days where I don't encounter the presence of God because I overslept or didn't make the right adjustments to be able to get in his presence, those days I'm more irritable. (laughs) Those days I'm easier to snap. Those days, oh, pastor, you snap. Yep. And I repent too. And I'm being honest. On the days where I don't position myself, I don't hear. And I don't see. See, let's go back to the parade example. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I can see better in the parade than my daughter can. Sammy, come here a second. Come, Samantha. Quick. Come over here. I need you for a minute. You can bring your doll. Come here. Okay. All right. Let's stand behind the pulpit. I can see, but Samantha cannot. Sammy, can you see behind the pulpit? Okay. Watch this now. Can you see now? See, watch. Church service, we're all together collectively pursuing the presence of God. It's like we get on shoulders to see the parade. But it's not enough. Because every day God wants to do a parade in your house and in your living room and at your workplace and in your car. And in those places, you position your home. You might put your children on your shoulders. You might put your wife on your shoulders, right? You're driving them into the presence. It's not enough to just do it here once. It's daily encounters with the presence of God that are going to fill us to a way that we can overcome whatever obstacle comes our way. You want to preach from up here, Sammy? Daddy. Daddy? Okay, let's get back down. Thank you, Samantha. All right, that's the milk for her baby. So maternal. If we don't position ourselves on a daily basis, we'll always miss the parade that God is doing. Rain or shine, the 3 o'clock parade goes down Main Street. And every day, God wants to do a new parade of the move in your life. I'm encouraged. Uh, our worship team has a, um, a chat. And a day doesn't go by where somebody from the team is not putting a song that they were ministered to by worshiping that morning. And I love getting them. Because then what stirred in their heart stirs in my heart. And together we push forward. Church, it's not enough. It's not enough. To feed once. And can I tell you a really sad statistic? In the United States of America, most people only actually go to church once every five to six weeks. And then we wonder why the body of Christ is powerless. Because many of us are not daily encountering and then 
collectively encountering. And it's a powerless life. So I encourage you that daily you position yourself to see God move in your life. Come on, give God a hand of praise this morning. I'm excited about the start of Potholes of Life Season 2. Botches de la vida. Ralph, can you belt it out? Where's Ralph? Who's around here somewhere? He's in the media team. <laughs> this is season two of this series. And uh, as we get ready to jump into it, I do want to remind you of a couple of things. I, I want to remind you what God put in my heart uh, as far as what a pothole was. So let's talk about what an actual pothole is. Definition is going to come up right behind me. A pothole is a depression in a road surface, usually asphalt pavement, where traffic has removed, broken, or broken pieces of the pavement. It's removed broken pieces of the pavement. That's a pothole. Come on, how many of you have hit a pothole? And so what the Lord showed me as a definition for a pothole of life was this. A depression in the road of life that caused hurts, wounds, and pain in us and in others around us. That's a pothole of life. In season one, if we were to recap, as you know, watch a show is like last time on. Um, in season one, we, we talked about the pothole of repetition and the pothole of fear. We talked about the pothole of discouragement. And we talked about the pothole of living in the past. They're all on our YouTube channel. If you missed them, you can go back. There's a playlist. You can watch all of them. And we talked about the way that we combat these different potholes. See, in earth... On the surface, when, when there is a pothole, they need to come and pull out all the loose debris and they need to fill it with something so that then cars can again pass over it without ba-bum, ba-bum. And so we talked about that the three main things or three of the things, this is not an exhaustive list, but three of the things that we do to deal with potholes were to seek God. We do that through the word and prayer. It was to listen to God and it was to obey God. Can I tell you something? The things with God are usually simple and humans complicated. I mean, have, have you guys heard of, uh, he's like an internet, uh, uh, he's, um, oh my God, what's the guy's name? Uh, I think it's like, Gum, not Gumby. Um, he does all these videos where he just like goes, <laughs> what's his call? What's, what is his name? Ka I don't remember. Do you guys know what I'm talking about or not? Like, everybody's, like, doing these super complicated things of, of, of how to get stuff, and then he just does them, and it's like, you know, like somebody gets a scissor and cuts a tangled wire instead of just unplugging it and untangling it. And he's just, right. So that's what we do as humans. We complicate stuff. We find ways to complicate it. God says with him things are simple. As a matter of fact, you can't save yourself. Jesus paid the price for you. All you need to do is receive it. Wow, that's simple. It's not about you earning it. It's not about you deserving it. It's about accepting in faith that which God already did. That's simple. See, I, my brother Tony's an amazing chef. He'll prepare all the food. And when it's ready, I just go by with a plate and he can serve it. See, God did the complicated part. God peeled the onions, the peppers, Hizo el sofrito, right? And we just go and get the serving. So we position ourselves to deal with these potholes 
by seeking God, prayer, reading the word, worship, listening to God. Have you had a conversation with somebody that didn't listen to a word you said because they were just preparing what they were going to say next? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've done it, though. You're so ready to answer that you totally miss what the person said to begin with. It's like, did you even hear what I was saying? Like, they ask you the same question to what you just said. So there's a difference. We actually need to listen to God, and then we've actually got to obey him. So today I'm going to talk about a pothole that we have all hit, man, and we are hitting it constantly. And it's an imperative one to be able to deal with, and it is the pothole of anxiety or worry. Anxiety and worry. I, I wrote them there as the same because when you look at the definition of the words, they're basically synonyms. I'm going to give you the definition according to the dictionary for these two words. Anxiety is this, a feeling of worry, nervousness, or unease. And then worry, look it up, is to give way to anxiety or unease. Allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. So today let's deal with the pothole of anxiety and worry. Go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, when you've got it, say amen. If you've got a Bible, wave it at me. All right. I love seeing Bibles, man. Get, get, get physical Bibles. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 25. Look what Jesus says. And by the way, Jesus says this is during the Sermon on the Mount. It's right after he talked about how to pray. After saying the Lord's Prayer, after talking about forgiveness, about talking about uh, fasting and all of those different things. Then he gets here and he says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, but for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, this word here is translated in the New King James Version as worry. If you were to read the ESV version, it actually uses the word anxiety. Do not be anxious about anything. And the reason is that that word in the original language is the word merimnau. Merimnau. I can't even pronounce it right, but don't worry about it. It's, it's there. It's in the italics. And the word literally means a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing stress or pressure. Uh, pressure. It is a preoccupation with things causing stress and pressure. That is what this word means, and it can be interchanged with worry or anxiety. And so what is it that worry does? Worry divides our focus. Worry divides 
our attention. It splits it. You are focused on one thing as opposed to being focused on what you need to be focused on. I wrote it down this way. If you're taking notes, you can, you can jot it down this morning, all right? If I got to the right page, there we are. Worry deviates our vision from where God wants you to be to where you currently are. It deviates our vision from where God wants you to be to where you currently are. Another way to say it is this. Worry causes our faith to waver. So how many of you know the person? It's a little bit of Bible trivia. Shout it out. If you're on online campus, put the answer in, in the comment box, all right? Who is the person other than Jesus who walked on water in the Bible? Okay, we all got it right. Just say it louder so they can hear at home just in case. Peter, thank you, Sammy. Peter walked on water, right? We, we know the story. Peter and all the disciples are on the boat. It's storming. And Jesus walks through the storm on top of the water, and he's passing the boat, right? The disciples freak out, and they're like, it's a ghost. Jesus says, no, it's me. Then Peter says, if it's truly you, Command that I walk on water to you. And Jesus says, very, very elaborate, come. A whole other preaching there about the invitation of Jesus, just come. Hmm, that's a good one. All right. Peter steps out of the boat, and his foot doesn't sink. And he puts his other leg out of the boat, and his foot doesn't. The Bible doesn't declare which way it was. I mean, maybe he got it and just jumped and landed, or he did one leg at a time. I don't know. But the point is, he put his feet on the water, and he didn't sink. And the Bible says that he starts walking to Jesus, right? Until, and this is what the Bible says, he looks at the winds and the waves, he took his eyes off of Jesus, he looked at the wind and the wave, and in that instant, he began to sink. And he cries out, Jesus, save me. Jesus goes back, gets Peter by the hand, and lifts him up, and they walk together back to the boat. And then he looks at him and says, why do you doubt? Why do you have little faith? Sounds familiar to what he said here when you're worrying? It says, oh, you of little faith. Now, when you look it up in the original, what does that mean? Because it's, it's, I mean, if I hear Jesus tell Peter, you have little faith, and I'm like, but how could he have little faith? He's the only one of the people that got off the, the, the boat and walked on water. If anything, he had more faith than everybody else. Little faith means a faith that wavers when you look up the word in the, in the original language. And so what Jesus is saying, when you worry, when you take your eyes off of me and you put them on the circumstance, your faith wavers, therefore you sink. And church, it's a pothole that a lot of us don't just sink, we get stuck. All of us. I deal with it sometimes. Now, it's not about the fact that worry and doubt are never supposed to come, it's about whether you allow it to remain or if you kick it out. See, are we allowing the worry 
and the doubt to take residence in our thought process? Or when it comes, do we look at it and say, nope, 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 nope. I'm going to go seek God and hand it over to him. How am I going to deal with the worry? How am I going to deal with the anxiety? Am I just going to let it stay or am I going to cast it out? If you look at what the Bible says, leave, your, leave a marker there in Matthew chapter 6. We're going to come back to it. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to start reading in verse number 4, where it says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now, that was awesome, Damaris, when you were singing that part of, of just rejoice, or Chris, I'm not sure who started, but rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. Can I remind you that when Paul wrote most of these epistles, he was in prison? And he's reminding everybody to rejoice? As a matter of fact, numerous occasions in every epistle, he tells the people, and pray for me that I may have the boldness to continue to speak. In one of them, I think it's, a, I can't remember now if it's in Romans or Corinthians, he looks and he, and he actually writes this. I rejoice in these trials and this prison because through it, all these people have heard about Jesus. It's pretty deep. So rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Verse number five says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Then verse number six says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It is the same root word that we saw in Matthew. In Matthew, it's mirum nemnaur, and in this one, it doesn't have the O at the end. It's the same root word. It is the same meaning of having a divided focus. So he's saying, don't divide your focus amongst the stuff you're going through and the Lord, because if you focus on the stuff you're going through, guess what? You will sing. But if you focus on the Lord, it is a promise that the peace of God will come. And can I tell you something? The peace of God and anxiety cannot coexist. Write that one down. Memorize it. Anxiety cannot coexist with the peace of God. It says that the peace of God will guard your hearts and your mind. Again, Doubt may come when we deal with that. Anxiety, worry, it may come, but don't allow it to take residence. Go and seek God. If you run back to Matthew, chapter number 6, it said this at the end of that passage. It said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added on. In other words, you don't need to worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or what you're going to do if you're seeking God first and his righteousness, what does that mean? Doing what is right. So don't tell me you're pursuing God, but you're still doing all the crap that got you in the place you're in there to begin with. No, no, no. You seek God and his righteousness. You begin to get rid of the things that God says, I don't want that for you anymore. The longer you spend with the Lord, the narrower the road gets. Songs that you used to listen to that had certain language, you start having a stir from the Holy Spirit that says, that doesn't sound right to your ears anymore, does it, child? 
That stuff that we used to watch, it's like we start eliminating it because the Holy Spirit says, why are you dirtying yourself watching that? Some people that we used to hang out with, the Holy Spirit starts to stir and say, why are you rubbing shoulders with that person that you shouldn't be next to that are causing you to fall? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, right standing, Jehovah's sick can you, God, my righteousness. And I'm going to take care of everything else. Samantha never has to remind me to go buy milk for her. I check the fridge. She just comes and says, milk? And I go grab it. Or because I have an 11-year-old, sometimes I send Abby to go to get it for her. It is not our responsibility to worry about what God stocks in the fridge. We just need to do what he tells us to do. And when we are obeying him, when we seek him and listen to him and obey him, peace comes. And peace pushes out anxiety. Peace that surpasses understanding. Church, we're living in the midst of a pandemic. In the name of Jesus, we're, we're on the way out. Numbers have been going down and all that stuff. Praise the Lord. Can I tell you that during this time, I've encountered people who have been in such worry that they have not been able to live I'm not talking about being cautious. Um, Please understand me. There's wisdom, and then there's people that do not walk in, in wisdom. They just go all the way in the other extreme. They haven't been able to live. Everything is worried about everything taking place. And then I've met people, and I'm not talking here about super faith now of this doesn't exist because it's real. And people have died all across the, the, the country and the world. But I'm talking about believers, some of you who we have been able to even thrive during this time in peace because we're not worried about anything because we know that God has us. And it's a perspective shift because what is the easiest thing for us to do? Worry. I mean, we worry about everything, don't we? How many of you, if you know you have to wake up early, put about seven alarms? Especially on the phone, right? If you look at my phone, I got, I, I, I got like, you know, if I know I have to be, it was like, 4.30, 4.36, 4.39, just in case, right? Like, so then you do this. That works for some people. I know a lot of people that will go turn off and still go right back to bed. <laughs> or just not even hear it. But regardless. That's funny, Sammy. That's funny. How do we reposition or reprogram our thought process? We seek God. We listen to God. And we obey God. What did God tell you to do? And then obey God in what he told you to do. Stop trying to tell me to do what God told you to do. And stop trying to impose other people to do what God told you to do. 
See, God may tell my brother to do something a different way than he tells me. And if he sought the Lord and listened to the Lord and obeyed the Lord, guess what? He's going to walk in peace. But if I try to do things the way that he sought, listened, and obeyed, and now I'm just trying to copy what brought him peace, I'm going to still stay anxious. I need to seek God. I need to listen to God. And I need to obey God. Can I tell you something? We need to try to stop imposing what God has told us for our family upon other people. Go in a different direction here for a second, especially in this time, man. Stop trying to tell people to do what you felt from God to do for your house. The devil uses that to cause division. The devil uses that to cause separation. The devil uses that. We have to understand that each and every one of us has the ability to hear from God. Somebody told my wife this week, um, they made this comment. They were, they were in a meeting or something. I don't remember exactly the, the, the comment, but the person said this. Well, I mean, remember, God can use anybody. God used the donkey to speak, which is true in the Bible. Read the story of Balaam. The donkey spoke to Balaam. So I asked my wife how she answered. She told me she gave a good answer. And I was like, can I tell you how I answer that? Because people have told me that all the time. God can use a donkey. So I remind them that the story is, in the Bible, that the angel of the Lord showed up and Balaam didn't see him. The angel of the Lord showed up a second time and Balaam didn't see him. The angel of the Lord showed up a third time and Balaam didn't see him. You know who saw him? The donkey. And after three times that Balaam missed what God was trying to do, God finally opened the mouth of the donkey. The first Dr. Doolittle in all of the Bible was Balaam. Because the donkey says, what did I ever do to you? And then Balaam answered and had a conversation with the donkey. He couldn't see what was right in front of him, but the dude could have a conversation with a donkey. So just let me remind you, when somebody says, oh, but... God used the donkey. Remind them, God had to use the donkey because the man wasn't listening. And sometimes in our lives, we hit potholes after potholes after pothole after pothole because we miss what God is telling us. And then a donkey has to tell you, hee haw. And then we entertain the hee haw instead of just getting right before the Lord, seeking Him listening to him and obeying him because that's going to bring the peace and anxiety and worry cannot coexist with the peace of God. Worship team, if you can come to the altar quickly. We all face stuff in the road of life. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to hit three or four other ones that we face. But can I tell you, that it is essential to respond by seeking him, listening and obeying. Look at what 1 Peter, to close, says, 1 Peter chapter number 5, starting in verse 5, says, Likewise, you younger people, talking to all of us, submit yourself to your elders, 
Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We can take a little parenthesis there. Many times we stay stuck in the pothole because of our pride. Pride. Mm, pride. Whenever you struggle with pride, and we all struggle with pride, if we're honest. If you say you don't, then you might be a little proud right now. Just remember that pride was the sin that Satan had and made him fall. Because he thought he could be God. Then it says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. That word care is merimimna. Cast your anxiety, cast your worry upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Church, this morning and every single day of your life, I challenge you. As you seek him, listen to him, and obey him, that you cast that worry upon him, for he cares for you. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Father, this morning, Lord, upon my life and every person that is here under the sound of my voice and watching online or listening to the podcast, Father, we pray. That we may walk in a way and a manner that will please you. That we may seek you, listen to you, and obey you. And Father, we receive the peace that comes with that. Your peace, the one that surpasses understanding. The peace that Jesus had sleeping on the boat in the midst of the storm. The peace that Jesus had walking on water in the midst of the storm. Father, that we may have the peace even in the midst of storms. Because we have sought you, we have heard you, and we're obeying you. And Father, we come against these things in our life like anxiety and worry. We pray that we walk in the fullness of what you have in Jesus' name. Come on, just worship him there for a minute. to worship for a few more minutes, so I'm just going to give you the 20-foot view of what's going on at church. Remember, we're preparing boxes for Operation Christmas Child. We have some in the lobby, or you can just buy a plastic bin and fill it with the things. On the way out, there's little papers that explain what to put in the box. It's the main things we got working. Um, if you are uh, ready to tithe and give your tithe or your offering, you can do it on your way out or on our church center app or on the website. Um, we love you and we're praying for you.
Stay tuned to our app and the website for what's going on at the church. But Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I dismiss this congregation and our online campus as we position ourselves to just worship a little more. And Father, we thank you for we leave this building, but not your presence. We thank you, Father, for we know that you are with us, that you never leave us or forsake us. And Father, I just pray that even as we enter into a deeper time of a, of a little bit of time of this worship, Father, I pray that if any of us are dealing with anxiety, if any of us are dealing right now with worry, Father, that we would be able to come to this altar and deposit them at your feet. Father, I thank you for who you are, what you've done and you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Those that may need to leave, you are dismissed. We're just going to worship the Lord for a little bit more.